Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The Renault Capture comes with a five-star safety rating and is an ideal compact SUV with lots of space for the family. Pick up your 192 Capture at Blackstone Motors this August. See blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to Late Lunch this Tuesday afternoon and indeed it's a very poignant and special day for many people because today is World Suicide Prevention Day and it's just over two years since 24-year-old Shane Rock died by suicide. Shane went missing on August 4, 2017. His body was found six days later and on this day I am so grateful to Shane's mother Magella O'Dwyer who joins me on the line. Good afternoon Magella. Hi, how are you? I'm good, Magella. I hope you're okay on this day. Is this a particularly difficult day for you? It, it would have been Shane's birthday today. <sighs> no, really. Yeah. So, yeah, it really is doubly difficult for you. And I really appreciate you taking time to join us today. We remember him today, Magella. Yeah. We do, and we will continue to remember him over the course of this conversation. Can I ask you this uh, about Shane? Growing up as a child and as a young teenager, what kind of a fellow was he? He was a very happy-go-lucky lad. Like, always into, you know, mischief and whatever, but nothing nothing bad. You know, he was a great lad. He would talk to anyone, loads of friends. I mean, even still now, his, his friends are pal- planning to come up to the, the, the graveyard tonight and, you know be there like with him sort of thing for his birthday you know but like he, he was always he was well liked he was yeah. well liked yeah popular lad yeah. no issues with yeah. him involved in different pastimes things like that had a circle of friends you weren't yeah. unduly concerned about him at all no not not up until he was 15 when he first got sick what happened to him at 15 can you pinpoint w- w- how he changed tell us what what he was like then he, it was kind of, it, it, it kind of came on fairly suddenly. Like, it was like some, somebody kind of had flicked a switch, you know, and during the day he seemed fine. There was family home and he, we were um, visiting them and he seemed fine. But that evening he was totally different. He was crying and he kept saying he was sorry. And I thought, God, why has he done? Like, you know, because, you know, young lads of 15, you'd say, geez, has he got something done? You know, have you done something wrong? Mm. But there was nothing. There was nothing. So um, I'd ask my sister, like, would you have a chat with him? Maybe he's done something he's afraid to say to me. And he, he definitely, definitely had done nothing. But he was walking the floors at night. He just couldn't sleep. So we took him down to the doctor and 
she was going to get him referred um, to, to get him assessed. And we'd have to wait a few weeks for that. And then in the meantime, he gradually got worse where he contemplated jumping the bridge down the road from us, you know, and at which stage then we, we rang an ambulance and got him into Temple Street down here. And then he was, he was diagnosed from there as having psychosis. So psychosis was the diagnosis, but he did, at yeah. th- that's what forced really the issue. He, he did attempt to end his life at that stage. At that stage, yeah, yeah. So psychosis is the diagnosis, and he goes on to treatment. Yeah, and the treatment, initially it took a while to get, you know, the proper treatment and, you know, different have work for different people and, you know, he, he was fine. Once he, he got on the even track, he was fine. There wasn't a bother on him. You know, he lived his life, you know, he still had his past. He he loved football, he loved, to, he, he was a, an avid Dublin supporter and he loved football he'd go off in with his lads you know to, to watch the matches and whatever he loved his dogs he'd bring his dogs across the fields for walks and that like he was just a normal lad you know and so the medication fine. worked and life settled down and he got yeah. back to can we say normal you know with, with what you say there his football his dogs his friends things picked up again yeah yeah now, and, like, he, you know, he he was he lived a, a quite a normal life. Mm. He'd done a college course. He passed us, you know, the same year as he as he'd only just passed the course and had got a certificate and graduated just before he took his own life. But, you know, so he would have had a, a future in front of him, like with special needs. That's what yeah. he qualified in, was it? Yeah. 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 Oh, God, caring for others as well. A real caring yeah. profession as well. He was a very caring lad, though. Like, you know, he he, he, he had a very soft nature to him, like, you know. Now, he, he studies and he gets his qualification. But just tell me the way things worked. He, he lived with you and then he moved to Dulik. What, what was the story he, with that? He... He's a younger sister here, and she was quite smaller than him. Like, I mean, she's three years younger than him, but Shane was a big lad. Mm. And when he wasn't well or if he was having an off day, he would kind of maybe lash out at her and that. And it was more just kind of for, for safety for her that we let him go up there and stay with my sister, like, you know, up there. And he enjoyed it because, like, he's he's two cousins up there as well. Like, and he did enjoy it up there, you know. And everything was going fine until he kind of got mixed up with the wrong the wrong group, and they kind of convinced him to come off his medication and take cannabis instead. And that's where it all started to go wrong. So the company kept the wrong crew, and imagine taking him off that medication that had him stable and then going yeah. down the road of the cannabis and you know there's a big push to legalise cannabis you're all too well aware of that I'm sure in yeah. the world at the moment so this cannabis and his situation obviously didn't mix at all No and you see with a lad like that when you know when they've got something in their mind they won't listen to their parents or any family they think their friends know best you know Especially at that age, you know, they think their friends know best, and he was convinced they were right. And like you could, you could gradually see him going downhill. So 
with that then we tried to bring him down to like saws here to the, the clinic here and tried to convince them to take him in but sure they had no no places to bring him and they they tried to be offered daycare but sure he wouldn't turn up mm. he turned up once or twice and that was it so then they suggested that he be referred up to um, the Drada's um, psychiatric unit up there and go in there. But gradually he was getting worse and eventually he realised that he needed help. And like at that stage he was banging his head off the wall and, you know, in frustration because he didn't know, like, he didn't know what to do or what way to turn. And he went, he was brought over to the, the hospital there and they just, told him to go back on his medication and go home and not to go out. And that was this. That was three days before he went missing. That was the, the Wednesday, you know, and on the Friday morning he went missing. Did he go back on the medication? Yeah, he did, but that was Wednesday. But in order for the, the medication to work, it takes about six weeks for it to start to build back up in the system again, for him to be back to more or less normal again, you know, but it was too soon. He should have really been taken into a hospital, but the resources aren't there. And that's, that's the problem. Like, you know, for a lot of people with mental illnesses, it's the, that's the problem. They're being turned away from hospitals because they haven't got something physically wrong with them. You know, it, like, they're just not being looked after. People with mental illnesses aren't being looked after. Do you feel the system failed him? Yeah. Yeah. I feel that if Shane had been admitted to hospital on the Wednesday, he would have been here today. Does that not eat you up every single day? It does, it does, it does. You know, it's it's a lad of 24 and his life is gone because the system left, let him... Oh, it's just... Just too difficult, really, to comprehend, isn't it? Yeah, mm, it really is. the The time that he went missing, he, he, and you, I know you you recall this so vividly. He, he was staying in Dulik, and it was yeah. your sister who was staying with, was it in, in Dulik? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He, he he just went out one morning. Was the postman? Was there a postman involved he here? Was the, the, yeah, we found out afterwards that he'd met the postman when he was going out the door and he took the post off the postman, brought that back in and put it on the table and went. And he took a dog lead with him, was it? A dog lead with him, yeah. You know when you got the word that he he, he hadn't returned or he was missing, did you immediately fear the worst? Yeah, yeah, because I knew, I knew from previous friends, when he initially got sick, that, you know, he he could contemplate suicide. You know, I knew, I knew because I, like the minute Carmel rang, she, she rang me thinking he'd come down to me because I was after buying him a new phone because his phone was broken. And I told him that we were going to give him at the weekend, but I thought, well, maybe he couldn't wait and he was coming down. And she thought that and she rang me to say, Shane there. And I said, no. And with that, then I said, go check his room. And I said, ring me back. So she went and she checked his room and that's when she found a small, all the stuff like he, Shane had a um, travel pass and that was there. And also she found a little note saying, I'm sorry, that was literally. And that's when we got the, 
the guards involved like to say that he was missing. So there was just that little note with those words on it, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. It was six days before he was yeah. found. Though, yeah. Because I can rem- I remember this story. I remember the search going on and all the people that helped and tried to f- find him. That I must know. have been torture, was it for you? Yeah, but I like I could never thank the people in Duluth and surrounding areas enough for all they had done for us at that time. I mean, people we didn't know and also people from down here in Sword as well that continued the search all through the week and all the, you know, the different civil defence and the guards and anyone else, like the, the Mead River Rescue and was a Dublin search and rescue team as well up there. Like, the whole lot of them, and they never gave up. They never gave up. Was your hope, though, gone early on, you know, from the time he was gone, or did you retain any semblance of hope as the days went by, or did that disappear? I knew. I knew at the back of it, like, you know, your hope, but I kind of, I knew, I had that feeling that we wouldn't, it wasn't going to be good. I knew so when word came through that he was found, and he was found not far from where he was staying. No, literally about 200 yards the road, if even that. And it was it was in a, a field, but there was a lot of overgrowth, and it was in there. Like, you, you, you wouldn't have seen it if you were just walking along the edge of the field. You'd have to go right in. How did he take his life? He hung himself with the dog lead. A lead that he got so much joy out of in his life, bringing his dogs yeah. for a walk. Yeah. Yeah. And it's his birthday today. Yeah. When when you when you when you think back and reflect on the just over two years that have passed and his going I know you said he, he was failed by the system. Is there anything else you'd have done differently? We've done everything both myself and my sister we've done everything we could to try and help him but there was no there was no resources there for him that's the problem. The government have an awful lot to answer for and it's not just for us, it's for a lot of families. I've spoken to families since and they've all been let down by the system. And that hasn't changed a bit in your view? It hasn't, it hasn't changed a bit. There needs to be a lot more done for anyone with mental health illnesses. The resources are just not there. How is your daughter? She's She's up and down the whole time. So the impact of Shane's passing is with you still always. With, with her, yeah. with, I can we can hear... It'll with, never go. It'll never go. It'll never go. How do you, how do you get up in the mornings and, and get on with your day, get on with your life? Has your life been on hold? You just have to, you have to keep living. Because I know Shane wouldn't want that. He wouldn't want you giving up. 
you know, you just have to keep living. And I've good friends and I've a lot of support. It's And Shauna has good friends as well. And his friends, you mentioned to me a few moments ago, they, they never forget him. They, they're coming today yeah, again. They're coming today. We're going to release 27 balloons up at the grave tonight. He would have been he would have been twenty seven today. Yeah. Yeah. This is World Suicide Prevention Day and this is the reason why you're talking to me. Yeah. What do you say? Here's your opportunity now, Emma Jella, to say a couple of things and I'll ask you each separately. What do you say to parents or people? who are going through what you went through for a number of years before this happened to your lovely son. What, what do you say to them? What should they do? If, if you end up in a hospital with, with, with your child or a loved one, do not leave till you get help. Do not leave. Refuse to leave. And to the health authorities, well, to government and the health authorities as regards mental health care? They need to fund us more. There needs to be more funding for mental health. Full stop? Full stop. A lot more funding. It's overlooked. Because it's not physical. Because I could meet three or four people today and maybe two of them will have something mentally wrong with them. But you can't see it. It's the invisible illness. Yeah. Look, firstly, may I say to you, I didn't realise it was your son's birthday. Yeah. You didn't tell us. No. We didn't know. And you just got me with that at the start. My God, how you have said what you said for the last while is simply remarkable. It really is, Magella. And I just want to say to you today... Thank you so much for sharing Shane's story and your story and your family's story with us on Late Lunch. I'm sure yeah. it's made an impact and will. Yeah. We remember him today. It would be his 27th, 27th birthday. birthday. And can I just say also just thanks again to Sharon Kelkin for all the help and support she's given us over the last couple of years and especially that week that Shane went, went missing. I know she's wonderful. She is she's wonderful. Brilliant. She is yeah. indeed. On this day, World Suicide Prevention Day, we remember Shane Rock and say a thanks to his mother, Magella O'Dwyer. Take care, Magella. I wish you well. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Keep your messages coming to us. Yes, they're pouring in on foot of the interview with Magella O'Dwyer a few moments ago. Thanks, Magella. I'll just read one of them for you. Thanks, Magella, for sharing your story about Shane. I lost my brother... 10 years ago to suicide. Unfortunately, the health system let so many people down. Stay strong and it's so good to talk. Thank you for that and all the other comments that are coming to us. 352 people died by suicide in Ireland in 2018. Shane Rock would have been 27 today. We remember them all and their families. Here's Ava Cassidy.
Eva Cassidy and Over the Rainbow for all those who've lost their lives by suicide. 352 last year in Ireland. And Shane Rock, we think of this afternoon. 086-1800-658 is the text or WhatsApp number if you want to get in touch with us. 086-1800-658 if you're affected by anything we've been talking about today or 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. Thanks for all of the comments. Hi, Jerry. Wonderful interview. Credit to you. Thanks indeed for that lovely comment there. Jerry, just listen to the interview. My son will be 27 years gone at Christmas and it's just as raw today as when it happened. He was 18. Hi, Jerry. My heart is breaking for that lady. I lost my husband to suicide. He was sent home from the hospital on a Tuesday and was dead on Wednesday. There are no places for people with mental health. Great love to that lady. Thanks, Magella, for sharing your story, says another message. By WhatsApp, thinking of all Shane's family, the people of Delic and surrounding areas will never forget Shane and all of the families affected today by suicide. Thank you so much indeed for the comments. You're with Late Lunch this Tuesday afternoon and I am so delighted to welcome back one of our regulars. He got his holiday break month but he's here raring to go this afternoon. Yes, it's our mouldering man, Tony Conlon. Tony, good to see you again. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you you for joining us. Now, you want to tell a little story about tyres to start today. Off you go. Look, this is a story that... uh uh, well, look, we tell for, for, for what it's worth, actually. It could kind of grow and grow, and we really don't, don't know. But we need advice on it, because the gentleman in question comes from the northeast. He saw my number and, and went to a lot of trouble to get it. And then he told me a story that he went to his uh, NCT centre to, for a test in his car, and the car failed because the tyres weren't up to the mark. So he went off and bought four brand-new tyres in a tyre centre. Not on the side of the road or anything like that, from a recognised tyre centre. He went back with the tyres, drove back down to density and he thought the guy was actually having a, a laugh at him. He said, uh, an advisory note, you're failing again. He said, why? They're brand new tyres. And he said, uh, yes, they're, they're maybe new tyres, but they're over six years old. And he advised him to go back to the tyre centre and tell them so. So the tyres that went on had full tread, let's take it, and yes, looked yes, okay and yeah, everything. Yeah. But at the NCT, they were able to tell yeah, the age of the tyre. Yeah, and I have the NCT on my phone here just showing that the four tyres were advisory uh, notes put on them. And he went back to the tyre centre, very, very disappointed. Now, the tyre centre, it's not like making ice cream that you're going to have a fresh tyre there in a, in a few mm. moments. So he got tyres off the guy, naturally, I presume apologising again when you said tyres that were two-year-old. Now there's only maybe about 44 years left on them. But the moral of the story is, where this gentleman, he's in business himself, and he, the moral of the story was that he'd like to see traceability on tyres and like to see it written into the receipt. He, he missed out on this. And his worry about it is, if the traffic core, for example, come up, and if NCT are saying on advisory note your tyres are too old, will they pass an inspection with Gardaí? Would it pass an inspection with an insurance company? Mm. God forbid if you had anything an accident, happened. You know, good. They are decent questions that follow on from from. And, our, and they are really the two main questions okay. on it. You know, well, listen, we have our man. You know him well. We know him. The listeners know him because he knows all about tyres. Simon Allen from Global Tyres is on the line. Afternoon, Simon. 
Afternoon, Jerry. How's it going? Good. Um, Thank you for taking a call. Simon. Tony's here with us. Uh, Simon, you've been listening to what Tony said there. Can you enlighten us about tyre ages? Yeah, well, the tyre, uh, every tyre that's manufactured now would have the age of the tyre on the side of it. They would say when it was made. Uh, now, a tyre to be in stock at six years old, would, I would imagine, would be very rare now this uh this, this came in a few years back for NCT. It's just an, it's an advisory pass, I think, is how they're time it. But uh, it's basically a tire should be changed. It's, it's actually it's recommended by manufacturers that a tire should be no older than six years on a car, a six year old, uh, basically because uh, rubber hardens with age, and uh, that's basically it's a bit like our skin if it's exposed to heat and exposed to light. And uh, the chemicals that in it, 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 the rubber just by its nature hardens. And this is the thinking behind it. But it's uh, it is only advisory, mind you. Like there's no nothing to say that tire isn't fit for purpose. Uh, but the, if if you look at the tire, the tires can sometimes fail due to age because they've actually cracks have appeared, they've perished, and although a tire may look good, if it's hardened, uh, the grip would be as good on it. Uh, we're told by the experts. So. That is the reason why uh, it's important, I suppose, for people like ourselves to uh, rotate stock and, and things like that to make sure that the older tire is sold first, you know. But yeah. uh, but uh, it's, it's definitely it's an issue we wouldn't have had to deal with a few years back. Mm. But uh, we wouldn't like to think we have a tire in stock that, that is that old ourselves. But uh, yeah, What would be the average for you? What, 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 how long, you know, when you take tires in, generally, and, and you have a turnover business there, what, at a stretch, what would be the oldest tires you'd have? Yeah, well, the thing is, of course, like we would have to when you're dealing with manufacturers, like we would be, would be expecting them to, uh, you know, sell you tires that are, you know, a few months old, you know, and so we do, we do spot checks and check them as they come in. But unless you know if you experience the tires, you would know by looking at tire if it's old. And I, I don't like actually they nearly just cut over time, you know. You you would know a tire if if I had aged, but you'd like to have, like you could have a tire like there is so many different sizes, you know, like yeah. Uh, but a year, maybe two years max is what you have. But like every tire shop in the country has an oddball tire sitting on a rack. What you know that's you know has aged. Like there's no like there's no exception with that. But you would you would inform the customer, or you would you know sell it maybe some kind of a vintage car. And you have a tire sitting there, like they're not expecting it to be uh, you know to be six months old. You know mm. you know. But so and from time to time, you would say wholesalers would. would uh, blow out stock uh, with old dot codes, you know, and that would be only two year old or something like that. You know, they'd be trying to get rid of them. So everybody yeah. tries to keep a, a fresh stock, but it's an issue we wouldn't have to deal with a few years back because. Uh, mm. But the, the the regulations have changed, Tony. I, I'd agree with Simon like in relation to the stock. The, the, just to fill you in, Simon, a little bit. We did leave you out in there. It was a, for a pretty common size for a Toyota Yaris. You know, I just don't have size, but it's a pretty common car, and uh, size-wise too. But I, I presume people can be caught. But what we need to try and do is, suppose, educate the people on this because it is an issue yourself, as you mentioned. Or yeah, I'm just would... six-year-old and a tire like would be yeah. very, very strange. Or just here's an interesting one. Just someone was asked me: Would it be fact being like that? There's a lot of maybe Chinese tires coming in, uh, like deals, nod, nod, wink, wink, being done on imported tires from China, because I, I have a funny feeling these could be Chinese tires. Well, I don't think any of the Chinese tires would be old in age now, to be honest, uh, because that kind of stuff would be high volume turnover. So mm. uh, like to have a tire that is popular and 
and a budget brand uh, still in stock, it would be very strange. You know, yeah, like yeah, I yeah. could see where it was a, an expensive tire, it could sit in someone's shelf a bit longer than a budget brand, but uh, I, w- I wouldn't really accept that. It's been the reason, you know, like a lot of. Again, it goes back to as we spoke before the part worn tires. Like you know, uh, they, they could be old dates and some of those, although they look really good, but the dates could be old. Well, well, look, you, you're one of the main uh, tyre centres up there in, in, in the North East. Would you be able to just advise the people on, on what they should look for, the markings on a tyre, other than just date? There yeah. is other markings too, just to make it a little bit simple. Yeah, well, let me think of a few years back where tyres the E-mark, and that's basically just how it's fit for European yeah. roads, and, it's, and it's, so that's straightforward enough. Uh, obviously, the size, that uh, a thing that can fail in NCT is that people have different sides across an axle, which could be down to human error, maybe someone fitting it, like a 195-65, that isn't a 60 on the far side, something like that. And obviously, the most common thing a tyre fails is bulges or cuts or and, of course, thread depth. But the dot code, uh, it says there's a, a long dot code, and then at the end of it, it says, like, uh, say, 0918. That would mean that the tyre is manufactured on the ninth week of 2018, you know, and it's on okay. every tyre. Yeah. The ninth month, is that what you mean? The ninth month? No, ninth week. The ninth, ninth week. week. So it's done week by week in the year. Sorry, Simon, you're the man that knows. So it, whatever it is, 09, 06, or whatever, that's the week of the year it's made. Exactly. And so it should be on the outside of the tyre. Uh, and clearly, like if you know what you're looking for, you'll find it quick enough, you know. But mm. uh, it, it's on every tire. It's on every tire. So if the customer uh, looks at the tire when they buy, and like you could ask when you're getting fitted, you know, by the way, when was that tire made? And sure, tire fitter or the person who sold it would be able to tell you because it'll be on the tire and there's no, like, nothing mm. to be hidden there. It's on. <coughs> I would have thought, Simon, that the onus might be a little bit on the on the on the inspection guy in the NTC centre that he has to actually find something wrong with the tire, other than just giving advisory like that there's cracks on the side. As someone said to me, I remember the Mitsubishi Pajero, the tires on the back of the boot is out in all weathers, and next thing yeah. you could see a perishing on a tire that was never on the road. But if there's yeah, no well, pe- no well, perishing well, marks there, that you know. Yeah, well, if it's well, it is like if it was dangerous, obviously the test centre wouldn't wouldn't be an advisory part. You know, they would actually fail it. Like, if the tyre is old and there's perishment, it's a fail, it's a fail fail. It's not an advisory fail. Yes. You know, it's yes. fail. So, yes. like, by allowing it by allowing it past, they're saying, well, the tyre's fit for purpose. They're just highlighting that, that you know how old the tyre is. Mm. A question from a listener. I bought a brand new tyre from a tyre centre last September. Not a second-hand one, a new one. When I put it on the, put the car through the NCT in February, the tyre went on in uh, September, a single tyre. I suppose that's not a good idea. Anyway, uh, through the test in February, the car passed no problem, but I was told that some tyre depth was three mill- millimetre, the minimum. Uh, do you think I got a dodgy tyre? Well, could be. Well, I wouldn't answer that without knowing more facts about it. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what mileage Yeah, that yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, right, just a comment there. Another one, Barney was on to say, I got a new lorry tyre last week. The guy that changed it had to document both serial numbers or he wouldn't get paid, says Barney. So you have to, you have to uh, well, adhere to... the truck tyre was different, Jerry. Yeah. Every, every truck tyre has an individual serial number. Right. Uh, whereas a car tyre wouldn't, they would okay. just have, uh, it'd, be, it'd be in batches of when they were made where yes. truck tyres are different. So you can identify a truck tyre and trace it. I see. There's much more tr- traceability on truck tyre than I see. Okay, thanks for that comment there, Barney. Just to clarify something, I think, Simon, where the, the scare factor came into here was that the NCT guy 
uh, in the NCT centre. It kind of scared the owner of this car by saying... Yeah, and rightly so. You know, like, like your tyres are... All, I'm going to give you a visor here. They're over yeah. six-year-old. Go back to your tyre centre. He did emphasise yeah. that. He did emphasise mm. and question the thing about, I don't know what the Gardaí would think about this. And the other thing you did mention was accident, but that's not for you or I to answer, but there's something we will have to try yeah. to answer. Last thing, Simon, before I let you go. I know you're busy uh, working on tyres there today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, that uh, comment there about changing the one tyre... I think I mentioned this to you when you were here before. Do you do that much or is it more? Is it better to change a pair of tyres at a time or all four? Okay, obviously, it's better for a pair. But like again, we don't know the circumstances. That could have been a fairly new tyre that just got damaged and the other tyres, you know, like you could get a new tyre, four new tyres on and uh, as luck would have it, you could damage one beyond repair in the first week. So in that case, you're not going to replace two, you know. So mm. like, you, yeah, it's a case-by-case basis, I suppose, Jerry, in that. But ideally... Across the axle, you like to have two replaced at the one time, yes. Yes, good advice there. Simon, thank you for taking our call. Appreciate it. Take thank care. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Bye bye. That's Simon Allen there from Global Tires. He's a great guy. He really is. Short break, late lunch. Tony is back with us after the break. And this time round, it's Mercedes-Benz and a brand new truck that Tony Conlon is waxing lyrical about. Stay with us. Tony Conlon's with us on late lunch. Remember, if you want to ask him anything about cars, and this man knows, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text or 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. Tony, I'm just thinking... You know, we haven't really done a lot about trucks with you on the show. And here you are today, dying to tell me about this new Mercedes. Yeah, well, look, uh, the reason you haven't been talking much about trucks is I don't test drive trucks. (laughs) I don't have a licence for a truck. But but, uh, on a a private road, I did drive the new Atros. Brilliant. And, do you know, it's, it's not so much about its engine or its 12-speed automatic gearbox or all the new little bits and pieces and fangs about or the four steps up to it was like driving a semi-detached house around the place or detached I should say two-storey house around the place it's about technology because I've always learned down the years that lorries the lorry men will always tell you look we're away ahead of you boys in the cars, technology-wise. And I saw something yesterday. You know, you, you'll ask yourself, if you're old enough like me, where were you when man landed on the moon? Or where were you the day God helped us, 9-11 and various things? But where was I when I noticed a big truck like a Mercedes Atros with no mirrors on the doors? Like, it's unknown. Ah, oh, Tony, come on. No, no mirrors. Absolutely no mercy. And how do you... Now, hold, hold on, Jerry. Wait to hear it. It's so revolutionary, this. They reckon it is inevitable that it will trickle down into passenger cars in the very near future. That's what trucks are about. The technology is formed on the truck and it trickles down. What happens? It's all cameras. What does? What will it succeed? It's, it's, there's no doubt at all. It's so revolutionary. It's a safety feature such that, do you know that thing you, you, about the blind spots on trucks? Yeah. It almost eliminates that. Re- eliminates it within within a fraction. It's, it's a huge safety. What have you got? Two screens left and right on, the, on your A pillars of the truck. You look left like, although these are like mirrors, they're inside, they're screens, they're cameras, they're instantly being sent to signal onto the these uh, screens, tele screens inside, and now the driver is looking at this. He's a better view all around the truck. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. So you're saying that this is a massive step forward in safety? A massive step step forward in safety for truck men that are, they'll all tell you about that blind spot. God help us and save us. We see enough in our cities all around the world where the cyclists are caught out and the, the cyclists think they can be seen or the pedestrian may think they can be seen. 
No, not all the time. And we'll get used to this. This is just new. It's it a very and the drivers would have to get used to yes, it. Yes, I was no, going to say yeah, that. There's no doubt at all about it. No, I drove it and I will say it'll take a while to get used to it and I spoke to some truck drivers and while they welcomed it and absolutely welcomed it and is a science and a way forward and they will adopt to this. Mm. If, mind you, you can still get the old system if you, if you so wish. Yeah. But if, if, you're, if you're going to think of science and go forward with engineering and technology and think of your drivers and think of the pedestrians and cyclists out there, you'll have to adapt to this. Well, this sure. has got a big endorsement already from a long-established Mead freight transport company, hasn't it? Well, absolutely. Like, your dealer McCaffrey's are in their 80th year. The first Mercedes truck they had was 1972 registered Mercedes-Benz 1418. It was actually on view at the launch of this. It's amazing. 1972, Jerry. It brings back memories. It was SAI 172, <laughs> like a, nearly a personalised number plate, and with a bunk in the back of it, like, which was nearly un- unheard of back then. Mm. So you have they've been a fantastic fans. You talk about loyalty. They have about 160 trucks or whatever. They're so loyal to Mercedes. They are the first persons to first company logistics company of freight company to purchase the new Atros, this one with all the, the bells and whistles and uh, that that will be running all over okay, Europe. Okay, huge step forward. Huge also, step forward. we're staying with Mercedes today. The new electric Mercedes Vito launched. Yeah. What, what, where does this sit in car or van categories? Well, it, it, it's it's a van. A and van. It's, it's a base basically for city for city work mostly. It will do a truthful about 150 kilometres. It will carry around a thousand a payload of around a thousand kg and a, a load volume of six meters cubed. It's based on the on the long wheel base version, and I drove it. And it's just like driving the modern electric cars. It's going to be something we're going to see a lot from Mercedes. Like they've now have a car in an SUV ahead of its time being launched here already in Ireland for for sales uh, before Christmas. The EQC, the EQC, and then they will have ten more models. But on the fleet line, on the van line, they've put in they've put in the the electric mechanism on the Vito. It's not taking up any storage on the body itself or load, restricting load or anything like that. It has a top speed of 120 kilometres an hour and uh, indeed it was very, very interesting. You have eco modes and uh, self-braking and regenerative braking on it and all this. It's right up there, Jerry. It's based on the long wheelbase version. I did say that to you. One wheelbase only. And it's more going to be geared at the likes of the semi-state bodies. You know, it's not just exactly ready yet maybe for the florist or that they're wheeling it out there to the likes of uh, on post or okay. airport authorities or ESB or whatever and like electric that. fully electric fully electric and it will do the business there's no question at all about it Jerry. it will absolutely do the business and uh, it's very interesting to see because a van is a big vehicle mm-hmm. we're talking about electric up to date it's been on small enough cars you know but here we have a van and it's real world about 150 kilometres and if you have someone in a scenario that doing short runs or yes. whatever. Yeah, I can imagine around cities, big towns, etc. This will be suitable. Yeah. And if the semi-state companies and etc. are taking this on board, obviously that's a signal for the future. It is a signal for the future. And like you, you hear so much about it too, like that every little page press release is coming in now there's something hybrid on it there's mm. something electric on it there's a new Peugeot 3008 hybrid coming in there's there's more and more ele- Volkswagens for example there's a lot of new ID3 Volkswagen uh, has been launched in Frankfurt Frankfurt Motor Show is going to be a wash with it's on 
presently uh, will be awash with new with new technology. Ele- electric. electric. All going. Now, electric is, look, we keep saying this, it's not going to take over the world, I mm. don't believe. I think there's a space for everything. But it all depends the way things are going to be taxed. Mm. And what That's going of, to be a big feature of it. Kind of Come back to the Mercedes, the EQC. Do you know much about this? I was looking at it this morning before uh, getting ready for the show today and I, I went in and I Googled it. What would we do without Dr. Google? Anyway, I was having a look at, at this this vehicle. It's a really smart job. It's oh, an they, SUV. It looks beautiful in and out. Jerry, the car was launched when I was away and I unfortunately didn't get to drive it, but there will be 10 more models, different variants of Mercedes coming in line. The thing about this car is prices begins at about 89,450. So it's right up there with the e-tron audio. Yeah, it's, you know an ex- I mean? it's not a cheap car. It's not a cheap car. And you will see cheaper versions. You will see an electric based on every platform of Mercedes out there. That'd be from the A-class, B-class, okay. C-class up. That will happen in the very near future. By 2021, you're going to see a lot of Mercedes electric vehicles. And a lot of them are going that way. But they're still offering the other models. Just mm. like, do you remember the, the PR game that's played with Volvo there, everyone thought Volvo were going to stop and just concentrate on electric. No. Like every company will have a representation, will have mm. of electric. But this in, in in the in terms it's uh, the upper echelon of course cost wise, but it's pure luxury. Oh, like, there's this, no car, about, yeah. uh, this is a large SUV everything. and uh, uh, sports utility vehicle and there's there's no question at all about it, it will appeal. And like you talk about power Jerry, like something like power of not to a hundred kilometers of five one seconds and of course economy to be at the band you know Mm. because of the electricity element of it so that's really what I can tell you about it will be uh, on sale in the fourth quarter basically from now on it's it's, it's available now as we speak just one mention before we finish of Ford and the new Puma now the Puma was uh, when the Puma came out first oh god you'd look at it 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 was a looker wasn't it yes it it was yeah a little three door sports car and such little coupe but now the Puma is a a large basically SUV going to be shown again in Frankfurt and what's going to be underneath the bonnet a hybrid formula so like they're all going that direction so the Puma has grown up from little baby Puma well, the, to... The, the Puma really has, has, has grown. It's, it has. It really has grown. <laughs> Watch this space. Tony, thank you so much for joining us on Late Lunch again this afternoon. We'll see you, please God, again next month. And you have the lowdown on the tyres. Make sure they have the little mark on them, the date on them, and make sure you know what you're buying. Because if you go to the NCT... Now, look, you, you could be sent home. And the thing about it is price... While price is important and people cut the cloth to the measure, when it comes to tyres... You won't buy your your son or daughter cheap little runners. Never skimp. That's the message again today. Thank you, Tony. You're welcome, Jerry. Here's a statistic for you that surprised me, to be honest. If you listen to this, did you know that there are approximately 15,000 cases of sepsis in Ireland each year? Most recover, but sadly, one in five of those who get sepsis die. That's an enormous figure. It's 3,000 people. Now, Friday is World Sepsis Day, and all this week, Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital in Draha, the Loud County in Dundalk, and the group, really, are championing an awareness campaign, which we're going to play a small part in here on Late Lunch for the next while because I'm delighted to welcome to the show Siobhan McMahon. She's a clinical skills facilitator with deteriorating patients and Adrian Cleary's back. He was with us before. He's Director of Nursing at Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital and Louth County as well. You're both very welcome Thank to the show. Thank you very show. much. Thank you very Good much. to see you. I suppose for the uninitiated, we hear about this and it does strike fear, Siobhan, into people. 
what it basically is sepsis. Okay, so sepsis is a potentially life-threatening complication to an infection and it can affect anybody. So basically what happens is somebody develops an infection and then for some reason what happens is some of their vital organs are then affected and that's what sepsis is. So it's when you have an infection but also some of your vital organs are affected. So either your brain, your heart, your lungs or your kidneys. And I suppose, as you've said, yes, we do have 15,000 cases of sepsis in Ireland every year. And yes, one in five do die. But we've done a lot of work from a national level. We have um, a sepsis um, group nationally, um, which is run by the HSE. And we have our own um, sepsis lead over our area, Mary Bedding. Um, We've got, I suppose, a very structured education programme and information programme now for our staff in the hospitals which I'm part of implementing in Our Lady of Lurie's in Drogheda and in the Louth County as well Um, and I suppose what we're really trying to do this week is yes it's so vital that our staff in the hospital we know what our triggers are we know what we need to look for and we need to know how to treat it when we do see sepsis but it's to let the public know what sepsis is and what they need to do. And that's why you two are here today. Now me doing a little bit of digging Adrian here looks at uh, the... uh, It is, of course, as you said there, the body's response to an infection. And in a lot of cases, the body responds and deals with it. it. But this is the scenario where it doesn't. There are two types. See, a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. Bacterial... Am I right in saying that is the most common? Yes, yeah. But you can also get sepsis then from maybe a fungus infection or also from a parasite as well. And um, I suppose... That's the important thing for people to know as well. Um, You can also, when you have flu, so from a viral infection, you can develop sepsis as well. And I suppose when we're looking at the infections that we're dealing with, the two most common causes of sepsis in Ireland and especially in our local area would be respiratory tract infections and urinary tract infections. And I suppose what's really scary about that is the majority of people will develop these infections at home, as we all do. We can have them twice a year, three times a year, five times a year, but it's on that one occasion that we become very ill, what do we need to look for? So I suppose what we would be saying to people is 70% of people develop um, sepsis at home and they're coming into hospital with it and 30% would develop it in our hospitals. So say if you did have a respiratory tract infection, so you'd be saying, what are my usual symptoms for that? So I've high temperature, maybe it's over. 38.3 degrees or I have um, a cough and I'm coughing up phlegm and it's green um, or I might be breathing differently so I might be finding it hard to breathe. So you have your chest infection and you've gone to your GP and your your antibiotics for that but you're not getting any better. So what what is different from that normal infection for me today? Well actually you know, is it affecting your brain? So is that the organ that's affected? So am I much more sleepy? Am I not risable? Has my personality changed a little bit? Is it actually affecting my lungs more? So is my breathing very, very fast or is it very, very slow? Am I finding it hard to breathe? Are my lips a little bit blue? Is it affecting my kidneys? Have I not gone to the toilet um, for the whole day? Um, Is my skin colour changed? So am I mottled or is it a different colour? Or do I have a rash when I press on it that it's not going away? And sometimes what people will also have is a real feeling of dread, like something is really bad, but they can't explain what it is. Um, And I suppose what we've kind of looked at is an acronym. So we have sepsis and that's what we're calling it. So like what we would say, so S would stand for shivering, fever or very cold. E would stand for extreme pain or discomfort. P would be pale, discoloured or mottled skin. S, 
am I very sleepy? Am I finding it difficult to be roused? Or as I said, I I feel like I'm going to die or something is really bad inside or S, shortness of breath. Um, and I suppose people say, well, God, these symptoms are very vague. I could have those when I have the flu or I can have them any time. But I suppose what we're trying to say today is, yes, those symptoms can be quite vague. And yes, you can have them at different times. But if you have those symptoms along with an infection as well, you need to think, actually, could this be sepsis? Go to your GP get assessed or if it's outside your GP hours you're looking at your doctor on call and they will assess you or if you're really worried especially say if somebody if you were looking after somebody and they were very drowsy they weren't rousable or they were very very confused or very very agitated you'd bring them straight into your nearest A&E. Adrian, come in and win. You're sitting there quietly listening. Are you going to leave all the talk on? I'm a good listener, Jerry. You you know? Oh, you're a wise man as well. But Adrian, can I can I ask you about this? Yeah. Um, vulnerable groups. Or, 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 yeah. Is there such a thing as groups that are more vulnerable? Yeah, absolutely, Jerry. So around 70% of patients who will develop sepsis will be over the age of 65 years. And if you look at the, uh, the age... Uh, groups there. So 65 to 75 would account for about 16%, 75 to 84, 22, and 85 plus 30% of all patients who will develop sepsis. Now, we are getting better in hospitals. I suppose back in 2009, so 10 years ago, Our Lady of Lourdes and Drogheda and two of our uh, nurse leaders, uh, Miriam and Marina, started the journey out and they signed us up to the Global Sepsis Alliance. We were the first hospital in Ireland uh, to begin that journey. Uh, we developed uh, tools to help us identify... I'm uh, laughing because I know Miriam yeah. and Marina. That's why I'm smiling here. That's yes. my wife and the wonderful <laughs> Marina as well. Yeah, say hello to them today. T- yeah, two uh, of celebrities. Yes. <laughs> um, but I suppose, um, you know, we developed uh, physiological tools to help us identify deteriorations in patients early. And that came four or five years before the national programme de- developed some of the tools. And even before the, the national sepsis programme, which really came in 2011 or so, so sometime later. Um, so we know in hospitals we're getting better at recognising sepsis. We still have a long way to go because it's very, very difficult, even for health professionals to, to recognise. Uh, we have good algorithms which help us improve patient outcomes. So early recognition and early treatment. The, the problem is that 80, as Siobhan was saying, 70 to 80 percent of patients will develop sepsis outside of the hospital. So the earlier somebody recognises sepsis, the earlier they can seek medical advice and the sort of the less invasive they, the treatment and therapies will be and the better the outcome for patients. What about on the younger side? You know what I mean? I think yes. of small children, babies, infants, toddlers and that. Are they susceptible to it as well? Yes, of course they are. And I suppose that's the thing. It doesn't discriminate between age no. or gender. And right. that's the thing. And I suppose when you, if you are somebody looking after a young child at home and if you're listening here today and you're saying, oh God, you know, my child isn't well, what should I do? And I suppose it's like anything else. You you know your child better than anybody else does. But what you would be looking out for, and I suppose is, instead of maybe really high temperature with children, sometimes your children can actually feel very cold and they'll feel cold to the touch. Um, their skin may look mottled or that kind of bluish tinge to it as well. They may be breathing very, very fast, maybe unusually sleepy, more sleepy than what they normally would be. Or when you go to try and wake them from their nap, they're not waking or they don't want to wake up as well. Again, the same as with an adult, if they have a rash, but when you press on it, the rash doesn't go. So you can use 
use your clear glass test for that so you can as well. Or sometimes they may be having a fit or a convulsion. And then I suppose for the very young children that can't tell you, mammy or daddy or granny or granddad, I don't feel well. I suppose you would be looking at them. Have they gone off their food? That would be a big thing. They're vomiting, but they're not stopping vomiting, even though they're not eating or drinking anything. And I suppose another big thing would be that they haven't had a wet nappy all day. And they may have had gone and had their bowels may have moved, but their nappy, is it wet or is it not? And I so I suppose we keep saying that sometimes as parents and as carers, we don't, we're afraid to listen to our own gut instinct or somebody might say, sure, they'll be okay. But if you feel something's just not right here, listen to your gut and say, okay, well, I'm really not happy. Can you please do a check again? I'm very worried here. They're not themselves. Um, and I suppose something that's quite unusual actually for teenagers um, as we know as well not even for the young children but look at your teenager I know most of them are always on devices they may be on their mobile phone all the time if the mobile phone is at the bedside and they're not feeling well think okay is that normal for them or they could be a child that's eating continuously you can't get them out of the fridge or out of the presses and you're dragging them down to get them to eat something um, at dinner time or at tea time or another thing that you can find with um, teenagers as well they may be complaining of cramps or pain in their legs, that they feel like they can't stand. Um, Abdominal pain, they may be complaining that their tummy is very sore and they can't explain why it's sore. Um, And they may have a high temperature along with that. So it's, it's trying to look out for what's different or what's abnormal. And I suppose when we do look at risk groups um, of people, whether they're children, no matter what age we are, right up until adults, I suppose you do have categories of risk people as well. So you could be maybe looking at um, what we call neutropenic or people that white cell count would be quite low. And there would be a reason for that. So they may be having treatment for cancer. So they could be having chemotherapy or radiotherapy. Mm. We would also have people maybe that are on treatment for um, arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. So they could be on immunosuppressants as well. Or we would have people maybe that are on immunosuppressants for inflammatory bowel disease, so Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. And I suppose when you're on an immunosuppressant, so what that means is it's suppressing your immune system so that your body isn't fighting against itself. So it means that you are more susceptible to infections. Um, So those vulnerable groups in there as well, young age uh, on the senior Uh, side and all in between ages. It can affect absolutely anybody, Jerry. And I suppose although the mortality rate in 2017, um, it had reduced actually from 27% in 2011 to 17.6 percent in 2017 for those very high risk groups that mortality rate's quite a bit higher mm. so uh, if you look at someone with chronic liver disease it was 38 percent of patients who acquired who developed sepsis sort of 20 percent for patients who had a diagnosis of cancer who developed sepsis so if you have any of those conditions you need to trust your instincts if you have any of the symptoms that Siobhan was talking about Trust your instincts. Treat it like a myocardial infarction. Treat it like a heart attack. Treat it with the same urgency and seek medical advice. I want to take a short break. I want to come back because I want to talk about steps we can take perhaps to avoid and there are several areas we can talk about here. If you're affected by sepsis or have been in the past or concerned about anything and you want to give us a shout, you're welcome to do so. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or texting. Call in on 1850-715-958.
Sepsis Week this week, culminating with the World Day on a Friday the 13th. And we're talking about it on Late Lunch this afternoon with Adrian Cleary and Siobhan McMahon. Can I talk for a moment with both of you about avoiding it? Are there things you can do that will, you know, maybe reduce the chances of acquiring sepsis? Um, definitely, Jerry. And I suppose probably the first thing what we would say is something very, very basic and something that we can all do every day at home. It's good, basic hygiene. And I suppose what we would say when it comes to any infection, no matter what it is, hand hygiene is so important. Something very simple as washing your hands before and after you eat and also before and after you go to the toilet would be really important. Um, And I suppose another thing that's very basic that we wouldn't think that we would need to talk about is making sure that our clothes are clean. If you're eating and if there's food and different things like that on your clothes, making sure that they're washed because bacteria can build up in that area as well. Making sure your surfaces around at home are clean. They don't need to be sterilised. It was just soapy water making sure they're clean yeah. like that and environments I suppose then another thing would be again good good sanitation making sure your drinking water is clean and then of course vaccination is really important as well um, and I suppose we have that much information in the public all the time about our vaccinations but it's actually kind of saying why is it really important to vaccinate and I suppose the big thing with vaccination is it doesn't actually just protect the person themselves it protects the people around them it protects their family their husbands their wives their mothers their fathers their children it protects their neighbours it protects their work colleagues as well and you'll see this time of the year there will be a big campaign running for everybody for the flu vaccine which is vital as well Um, And I suppose they would always say that we'd be focusing on our vulnerable groups as well. And they're the exact same vulnerable groups that we would be saying that are susceptible to our sepsis as well. So I suppose we would be looking like at our patients that are diabetics, maybe that have respiratory issues, um, patients um, that have chronic kidney disease, chronic liver disease, um, or pregnant women as well, because yes, pregnancy is the most natural thing in the world, but we have to look at it that our bodies are changing immensely because we're growing this amazing person inside us. And it's such a gift that we have but it's that we have to look our immune system is that little bit lower and what we're trying to say is think about talk about it talk about vaccinations with your GP with your practice nurses if you have any reservations discuss them with them because they will have all the information there for you Um, Can I throw in something here and it's from the past really Adrian tetanus and a tetanus jab. You know, like tetanus is a serious thing. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking about when you get a cut, you know what I mean? And yeah. taking care of a wound and that as well. Yeah. This all feeds into this. Yeah, it does. It does, absolutely. I mean, you know, if if that's untreated and you get that infection, uh, then there's possibility that your body will struggle to cope with that and you will develop sepsis. So, yeah, I mean, people will be familiar with the tetanus. You, you, need, yeah. you get a tetanus jab every 10 years. And sometimes if you go to hospital with an injury, they'll give you a little boost to try to prevent that. But I suppose one of the key things with, that Siobhan was saying there was around the vaccination. So there's huge seasonal differences in sepsis. So we see during the winter, uh, more and more people, uh, typically with respiratory illness, uh, develop uh, sepsis. And so vaccination is one of the best things you can do. So if you're over 65, if you're pregnant, if you have a long-term health condition, you work in healthcare, you are a carer for somebody, you live in a nursing home or a long-term care facility, or you're in regular contact with pigs, 
poultry or waterfowl. Uh, you should be getting the vaccination. And unfortunately, Jerry, in Ireland, only 57% of uh, the population who should be getting vaccinated are vaccinated. And this is the flu jab we're talking the about. The flu jab. And it's coming now. And I know, it's and coming. I get it myself every year because of yep. this little ticky thing here in my chest Very that sensible. I had a little reminder of a few years back. But I make a point yep. of getting it every Absolutely. year. And I encourage, like you say there, everybody yep. in vulnerable groups and healthcare workers, etc. Get it, get it this year. Because it not alone will protect you, but it could actually save your life. And someone else's life. And somebody else as well. The other thing, Adrian, you know, and like it is when you talk about the numbers, 15,000 cases, one in five don't come through this. So it's 3,000 people die with this. The majority survive. Is early, you know, they say about early detection and an awful lot of things. Is it so true here as well? Well, first of all, obviously, prevention is better than cure. If you develop it, Think sepsis. Consider sepsis if they're in the presence of an infection with all of the, any of the symptoms that Siobhan described earlier on. Trust your instincts. Treat it like a heart attack with the same urgency and seek medical advice. The earlier you can uh, you can identify and manage sepsis, the better the outcome will be for the patient. You won't be run away either by your GP or doctor and caller. Ultimately, if, if it's emergency, the hospital is there, we say yes. in an emergency. Yes. But this is taken seriously. You won't feel, you know, people that say, I feel like a fool. Oh God, I shouldn't have. No. What do you say to them? No, please don't feel like that. If you're unwell, always seek medical attention. Nobody is actually going to say to you, you shouldn't have come here to us today. And I suppose that's what we're out here to say. If you have an infection, you're feeling really unwell, you have a very high temperature above 38 or a low temperature below 36, as we've discussed the other symptoms earlier on. and Or even if you only have that feeling of dread, you know you're not well, but you really don't actually know what is wrong with you. Or a family member has said to you, you're not yourself. You know, you're sleeping more, you're agitated, you're irritated, you're actually quite confused. Or saying, actually, you haven't really eaten or drank anything today or you're really unwell. Sometimes it's not you yourself that actually knows that you're that unwell. It's the people around you. Listen to them. Let them help you get help. And I suppose, as we keep saying, nobody's going to turn you away. Go to your GP. Go to your doctor on call. And if needs be, of course, please come into casualty. And I suppose... If you're worried when you're talking to the GP, you can always say when you're ringing for an appointment, I'm really unwell, you know, I have an infection and I think I need to think sepsis. Friday is the day, but you're building up to it and you're turning, I see you with your... uh Pink lanyard on you there and it's pink as well that there's a pink we've one for you Jerry you know oh, thanks I love pink myself yeah. Adrian uh, <laughs> pink is the theme this year it yes is. and you're turning buildings and you're adapting pink all over the place yeah. yeah so what we're trying to do this year is as we've said raise awareness in the public and actually as part of that we've had great support mm. from um, the community in Drogheda and Dundalk yeah and in Dundalk as well they're doing amazing work so um, in Dundalk what they're actually doing is they have the hospital lit up pink so they do and they have the race course lit up pink for the week and Mm. then on Friday um, the council are actually lighting up the fountain in the centre of the town pink for the day and and also the government buildings as well well done yeah yeah, it's amazing so it is Siobhan has been very persuasive (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I can say no to that woman (laughs) that's why you're both here today she's amazing and and the lighting Drogheda I think as well and then in Drogheda we've had amazing support from um, all our churches we have the Church of Ireland St Peter's lighting up we have Our Lady of Lourdes Church in the Augustinian are lighting up their altars pink for us for the week. We have um, 
St. Peter's and um, St. Mary's um, and um, St. Peter's, as I said, Church of Ireland lighting up the outside pink as well and Millmount, of course, okay. too. OK, looking over the town. Yeah. That's great and it's a great response and it, yeah. it, it, it puts it into focus as well. And then there's something happening with cakes on Friday. Oh, I'll- yes, very important. <laughs> yes. So um, we're involving all our staff. So we are in um, yeah. Drogheda as well and we're running a few different themes. But Jerry has very kindly agreed to come in on Friday morning and judge our cake competition. So what we're doing is we're going bake pink, pink, pink for sepsis this year. So we have approximately about 19 confirmed cakes there. So we do. Yeah. And so. a few envelopes as well, Jerry. Yes, yeah. yes. I, I said, you know, you wouldn't take those. No, I'm not into <laughs> pink envelopes maybe, the brown ones. No, for sure. I'm looking forward to it on Friday. Anyway, yeah. wish you well and thank you for dropping in thank to us today much, on Late Lunch. It's been fantastic. For the thank moment, you uh, Siobhan McMahon and Adrian Cleary, thank you so thank much. Thank you very much, Jerry. Thank you for thank having you. us. Anyone out there into their Kaylee sets and old time dancing? Louise, are you into your Kaylee? Have you ever done any Kaylee in, in your life in the past? I have in my time. Have you? Yeah. Really? You seem surprised. I am. <laughs> I'd always have put you down as a disco diva. Oh, well, that as well. A nightclub lady, no? Kaylee uh, sets and old time where? Yeah, Dundry. Did you? Yeah. Years Good ago. woman yourself. Mr O'Callaghan's over there. I'm going to say this again. I, I did a bit of Kaylian when I went to the Gale Talk the few times. There was a thing called Gale Agris in the civil service. I think I mentioned to Eddie when I was talking about the 40 years. You could get a week away in the Gale Talk to learn Irish. <laughs> Paid. Wow. You a civil servant. Did you go? I, I went you to Carra Row in Galway, yeah. Beautiful Carra Row outside Galway. And I spent a week there. Talk Irish. Talk Irish. It was a little bit of teaching during the day and the rest of the day was yourself. So we went book mad as well, you know, so it was, it was great. Free and single and everything. And so you know yourself. But I kayleed and I danced and I did all that type of thing. And I danced with a minister at the time. Yes. Really? Moira Gagan Quinn. Do you know her? Yeah. I know dance with Moira. She was over there. She visited to see how it was going. I don't know what she was the minister for at the time. Now she was a good luck on Moira now, younger year. She's still a good looking woman. But uh, anyway, I had an old Kayleigh at dance with Moira back then. Anyway, I'm, you know what I'm talking about? The Fela Moira ni Rahale, uh, in association with from Conrad Cultural and Heritage Society, they're having an evening of Kayleigh sets and old-time dancing. There you go. In from Conrad Parish Hall, you can move from Dundry to from Conrad, It'll Louise. It'll be packed. I'd say it will. It's mm-hmm. this Friday, the 30th of September, 9 o'clock. It's a tenor in the Tara Kayleigh band oh you'd love that <laughs> uh, well, you have been thinking you'd just be in your element with the Tara Kayleigh band wouldn't you you'll start thinking my second <laughs> name is Tara, Tara now the hill the hill anyway the Tara Kayleigh band and light refreshments will be served Kayleigh sets an old time dance and I have four tickets here anyone out there like to go along if you want to get tickets give them Shine a shout the this Friday <laughs> yeah dig them out get them out get them out anyway I have two pair of tickets to give away uh, uh, on the show today to this Kayleigh Sets in Old Time at Drum Conrad Parish Centre this Friday, 9 o'clock, tickets at tenner. Here's the question. What's the Irish word for dancing? The Irish word for dancing. What's the Irish word for dancing? Text me now. WhatsApp me now. 086-1800-658. The Irish word for dancing, which your name in English will do, <laughs> and your contact details, and we'll give those tickets away on late lunch this afternoon. Now, seriously, top of the show, Louise, wasn't Magello Dwyer just... She's amazing. Amazing. Absolutely I want to amazing. say it again. It really brought a huge reaction to us. And you did ask the HSE for a statement. And 
I have it here and I'm, I'll read it for you. It says, we're sorry to hear about Magella's loss. Allow me the mental health service have an admission policy and don't comment on individual cases. People present to either A&E or their GP and are subsequently referred to the appropriate service where the doctor on duty will assess and if required, a relevant treatment plan is put in place. And that's the sh- short statement from the HSE, which we asked for uh, subsequent to Magella's interview with us. And thank you for that. And just on the theme of mental health. It is World uh, Suicide Prevention Day. Um, the Drogheda and North East Samaritans are giving a talk this evening in the Courthouse de League at half past seven as part of the Feel Good Project. So tonight the Courthouse de League at half past seven, Samaritans, uh, Drogheda and North East will be there and mm-hmm. everybody welcome to go along. And That's those sets of shoes outside the steps outside St Peter's Church, is it? Yes. Drogheda are very... Yes. They're poignant as well. Yeah. They really are. And one other thing, Drogheda Chamber are now taking final applications for the Business Excellence Awards 2019 Northeast Region. 21 categories, whether you're a family business, startup, SME, best not-for-profit, best pub, there's a category there for you. It's easy to enter. Download and complete the application form today from drogheda.chamber.ie. And the closing date is this Friday, September 13th. So get cracking on that one there. Final break of the afternoon on late lunch and after the break I'll be joined by John Sherman. He's the CEO of the Irish Deaf Society and we're going to talk about donations to charity shops and you'll be amazed what this man tells us is coming into the shop. Stay with us on late lunch. The Irish Deaf Society have charity shops in Ashbourne and Drogheda and they welcome donations, but not some of the the, uh, donations they're getting recently. On the line is John Sherwin. He's their CEO. Afternoon, John. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me. We saw this this morning and uh, can I say what it looked like with the bags? It looked like people just putting rubbish willy-nilly. Is that what you're getting? Um. Sometimes, but I would have to say rarely enough like that often uh, people are leaving donations outside the shops and they're genuine donations and the people have, you know, genuine intent. But what they're not aware of is the, the hazard that that causes to pedestrians and also that the charity shops, uh, you know, not only our own, but others throughout the country can get fined for bags that are left on the pavement outside outside the shop. I mean, the vast majority of people are are very well intended and use their common sense and donate goods that are not broken and that are clean and that we can resell. But very occasionally, um, uh, people do kind of abuse that system and use it as a way to, to conveniently get rid of rubbish. But I think the bigger problem the shop has is stuff being left outside the shops, outside of opening hours, and really that presents a, a bit of a challenge for, for charity shops throughout the country. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I saw. I looked at it and it was as if you had put out bags to be picked up by refuse collectors rather than people leaving stuff for you to go through when you arrive in the morning. So the message you want to get across today, John, is drop in when the shop is open. Drop in when the shop is open. And, you know, most uh, shops... 
have kind of things that they sell and things that they don't sell, but they they don't put any barriers in the way of people making donations. So generally shops will will accept all reasonable goods for resale and there's no problem with that. But it needs to be when the shop is open and you can you can drop them in then. Uh, that's the best way to proceed. Are people using the out-of-hours more so to put uh, items into the bag that really should go either to landfill or be recycled? There, there are small instances of that, but I would say that the majority of people are are a bit more well-intentioned, but maybe they're running up against time difficulties. But they may not even realise, even though there's signs outside the shops that kind of say, listen, please don't leave anything outside while the shop is closed, often they don't see them. So the message we're trying to get out to people is, please uh, make the effort to drop them into the shop when the shop is open uh, so that you don't uh, cause the charity shops, which have limited resources, uh, to be fair, uh, any any difficulties. Now, I know our own uh, charity, the Irish Deaf Society, we, if people have substantial donations, we will actually uh, send our van around to pick them up and they can contact us through, they can go to deaf.ie and get the contact details for that. And many other charities, uh, you know, have similar similar pickups. So if you're having problems with timing, and that's the reason why you're thinking of leaving uh, stuff outside the shop, then maybe give a call and see if we can help you out on that. Uh, in general, you, the two shops are doing well. You're getting plenty. Clothing, I take it, is part of it as well. Another point to make, and I, I saw it mentioned, clothes need to be in decent condition as well, not in rack or ruin. And it's asked as well, isn't it, that people present them clean? Yeah, I think presenting them clean, I think, is just a respectful way to pass on the donations. But if you're in doubt about the quality of the clothes, do send them on anyway, because uh, we can make a small amount of money from recycling uh, garments to rag traders. And so, you know, we don't want people to be too concerned about making uh, quality choices. But certainly we'd appreciate it if people can make sure the clothes they're dropping in have been uh, through the washing machine and, and they've been cleaned once before they come to us. Thanks, John. Thank you for joining me on Late Lunch this afternoon. Uh, we hear what you're saying loud and clear and do continue to support the shops, the Irish Deaf Society shops in Ashbourne and Drogheda. OK, Louise, you have a pair of winners for me today. I do. Um, what was the question again, Jerry? The was question it? is: was this, what is the Irish word for dancing? Well, there's actually two as far as I can two see. Two answers. I, two legitimate answers. I just can't get a difference. I, it's okay. Dousa or Rinka. All right, we'll take both. Yeah. We'll take both, so, just to be uh, fair to everybody who's been in touch. It's either Rinka or Dousa. Uh, if you uh, answer those, you're in. So, so PJ Collins said Dousa from Leighton. Okay. Well done. And Pierce O'Callaghan said Rinka. Okay, one for each. They are pair tickets, boys, each for the Fela Moira and Rahala 2019 in Drum Conrad Cultural and Heritage Society's big presentation this Friday night from Conrad Parish Hall at nine o'clock. Tickets are at tenner. Enjoy yourselves there. And sure, that's it for today, isn't it? Sure, we can only leave on one song. A bit of Dousa. Is this Dousa or Rinka, Louise? It's actually called Bonry and Dousa. <laughs> there you go. The Irish. Uh, sh- <laughs> for your entertainment this afternoon, to leave late lunch this Tuesday, Eddie's up next with The Drive. Introduce it. What's the name of the song? Bonry and Dousa by Abba. Bonry and <laughs> Dousa by Abba. Here it is for you. Enjoy. See you tomorrow at half one.
late lunch with Blackstone Motors. The Renault Captur comes with a five-star safety rating and is an ideal compact SUV with lots of space for the family. Pick up your 192 Captur at Blackstone Motors this August. See blackstonemotors.ie. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.